Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 10th of July, 2023, the 21st of Tammuz, 5783, coming to you this morning from beautiful Gush Etzion, Judea, Israel. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, your social media preference of choice. Let's jump right into the news here this week. The Jewish press reported this morning, President Joe Biden took the opportunity on Sunday to once again slam Israel's governing coalition while avoiding any mention of Palestinian Authority terrorism and the deadly attacks that were, at least in part, responsible for the election of the current government. That is the Jewish press and the Jerusalem Post adds that President Biden in this CNN interview, um, which was published on Sunday yesterday, added that Israel's current government is one of the most extreme in 50 years. He said, this is one of the most extreme cabinets I've seen, and I go back to Golda Meir. Biden pointed out that while President, rather Prime Minister Netanyahu, was not invited yet to the White House, President Isaac Herzog is expected to visit next week. He said that he thinks Bibi, our prime minister is trying to work out the existing problems in the coalition. Among those problems, said the U.S. president, are his cabinet's extreme positions related to the Palestinians, so-called. Well, Biden said he is one of those who believes Israel's ultimate security rests in a two-state solution. And according to the Jewish press, it looked like the president was falling asleep during the interview, uh, unclear slurring his words and again this is just uh an old an old man with puppets behind him pulling strings and somehow i think he wants to be president come 2024 but the bottom line here is that it is night and day between the biden administration and the way they speak about israel the way they treat israel compared to the Trump administration, it's not really a surprise. We're talking about President Biden, who was the vice president under Obama, who arguably was the worst president when it comes to Israel-U.S. relations, and maybe Biden is trying to uh, surpass the things that Obama did. And then we'll talk a little bit more about some of the Biden administration policies including their support for, for UNRWA. But it's just the definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. And I'm talking about the so-called two-state solution in particular. But he is, President Biden is blaming the, the Ben Gvirs and the Smotriches and those in the Israeli cabinet um, while not placing the blame on the terrorists in the Palestinian Authority and the other terror organizations. So that's where the president is right now. Again, whoever pull, whoever is pulling the strings um, behind the president, they're the ones who are calling the shots. They're the ones who are telling him what to do and what to say and what positions to take. So that's where we are with U.S.-Israel relations right now. And of course, the American people are the best friends of the state of Israel, no doubt about it, regardless of who is in the White House. But ultimately, the White House is the one responsible for implementing policy 
and they are doing a, a terrible, terrible job, this administration. European Union, not much better, perhaps even worse. Times of Israel reported yesterday that a European Union envoy criticized Israel on Saturday over the proportionality of the force Israel used in the recent military operation in Janine, accusing Israel of violating international law. And these EU, uh, EU envoys, of course, on, on Shabbat, on Saturday, they go out. And I'm not saying that they need to keep Shabbat, but it's, you know, that's the day when uh, when Jews are resting. That's the day go and they go out and they tour Janine. And you had this... Uh, this Swedish representative whose name I cannot pronounce and whose name I don't even want to say, accusing Israel of disproportionate force, echoing comments of the UN security chief, Antonio Guterres, on Thursday, who told reporters there was an excessive force used by Israeli forces in its 48-hour operation. And uh, just detailing, uh, detailing some of the accusations there, uh, this report does, which the UN uh, is now using to take Israel to task. Uh, Arut Sheva, Israel National News, added that Guterres called on Israel to abide by its obligations under national law and to exercise restraint and use only proportional force. Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Erdan, denounced those remarks, calling them shameful, far-fetched, and completely detached from reality. Erdogan said the recent Israeli counter-terror activity in Janine focused solely on combating the murderous Palestinian terror, target, terror targeting Israeli innocent Israeli civilians. So here you have an anti-terror operation this past week. Not one civilian is killed. Twelve known terrorists are killed. And somehow that's not proportional. I mean, this is this is just... Sick Jew hatred at the UN, European Union, holding Israel to a different standard, which is plain and simple anti-Semitism, criticizing Israel defending itself in the face of an enemy bent on Israel's destruction. Nothing new here, folks. It's been like this for many, many years. The UN, the EU, and in certain cases, not here, but in certain cases, uh, the U.S. administration um, I'm not going to single out the U.S. here in terms of their response, but uh, from what I from what I saw, I don't have it in front of me. But from what I saw, the U.S. response was pretty tame compared to the U.N. and the European Union, who flat out ripping Israel. They would, you know, what they would rather see. These people would rather see more dead Jews. That way, it's proportional. It's proportional, you know, this numbers game. If X amount of Jews die, oh, well, then it was proportional because X amount of Arabs died. That's the game they play. And as they criticize Israel, of course, yesterday, another attempted stabbing attack, which was thwarted at the light rail station near Ammunition Hill in Jerusalem, an Arab woman with a knife was getting ready to stab security officials and civilians there at the train station in Jerusalem, and a security guard spotted the terrorist, saw something was right, asked if she needed help, and then the woman reached in to her clothing or into her bag, pulled out a knife, and the guard was able to 
um, forced the woman to drop her knife. After she uh, initially she refused, the guard shot not at her and eventually was forced to shoot her in the leg um, and uh, neutralize the terrorist. So terrorism is still happening here on a daily basis. Of course, it does manifest, manifest itself in other ways with rock attacks, firebomb attacks on the roads of Judea and Samaria on a daily basis. But here you have as the EU and the UN go crazy on Israel, you have more attempts to murder Jews in Jerusalem. Some positive news here reported by Ruth Sheva. The condition of the two victims of the terrorist uh, car ramming and stabbing in Tel Aviv last week who were the most seriously injured, they have improved and are out of danger. Um, they are now in stable condition at Ichlov Hospital. As reported by the hospital on Sunday morning, the two are fully conscious, conscious, uh, sorry, conscious, breathing independently and are expected to continue treatment in the hospital in the coming weeks. Um, one of the victims, though, was a pregnant woman who lost her child as a result of the injuries she sustained in the, in the attack. So that's, you know, that's murder there. The Arab terrorist snubbed out a future Jewish life. So the woman, thank God, will survive, but but she lost her baby, um, thanks to the uh, thanks to the jihad, and that terrorist, Hamas affiliated, not Hamas affiliated, whomever he was, bent on trying to murder Jews. So, but thank God, at least two people who are in serious condition are now stable. Uh, the Jewish press reports here that Israeli security forces went uh, entered uh, the town of Shechem under PA control on Friday morning to make arrests and seize weapons. There was an exchange of gunfire. Two terrorists killed and other terrorists were arrested. Uh, three of the wanted terrorists were part of a squad who carried out a shooting attack targeting a car in a grocery store in the uh, on Hargrezim. That's in the Shomron. So that terror cell looks like one of many terror cells, that terror cell was uh, squashed here with the arrest of several of those terrorists who have been trying to murder uh, Israelis and Jews here in the land of Israel. Also, IDF soldiers on Friday mapped out the home of the PA terrorist who shot and killed Staff Sergeant Shilo Yosef Amir this past Thursday. This was an attack near the community of Kedumim. This terrorist was driving around and he aroused the suspicion of the local security chief along with the IDF soldiers who approached his car um, and the terrorist opened fire, uh, killing, murdering Staff Sergeant Shilo Yosef Amir. Hashem Yokum Damo, may God avenge his blood. And Friday, as the soldiers were mapping out the house that they are hopefully going to destroy the terrorist house. They were attacked, of course, with rocks and fireworks and whatnot. That's just par for the course there from those in the PA who support jihad and support the murder of Jews. The mother of the terrorist who killed this Israeli soldier, who murdered this Israeli soldier, she was proud that her son, who was uh, killed, the terrorist was killed by security forces, she said that she has six other children implying that she's ready to send them to become martyrs and in their community heroes. 
by trying to murder other Jews. So that's what the mother said. She praised her son in a social media post and said she's got six more ready to sacrifice them for the cause. That's the type of sick society that they're living in under the PA, under Hamas, um, throughout, throughout Judea and Samaria, and of course, Gaza. And speaking of those areas, you now have people trying to, different groups trying to fill the vacuum there of the failed Palestinian Authority. Uh, you do have uh, the Jerusalem Post reported yesterday, you had hundreds of gunmen belonging to the ruling Fatah faction taking to the streets, trying to show their muscle um, against, uh, against Hamas. There was a long article from Khaled Abu Tuama, a good article in the Jerusalem Post, talking about the tension between the groups Hamas and Fatah and PIJ, and it's really back and forth, you know, all accusing each other of being traitors and not doing enough to fight Israel, everyone trying to flex their muscles, claiming they did, they did the most when Israel went into Janine last week. The bottom line, though, is this. The bottom line is all of these groups have issues with, with each other, but when it comes to Israel and the Jews, they are on the same page. Okay, and one of the Fatah members admitted this. He said this quote, here's a quote, one of the gunmen, according to the Jerusalem Post, he said, our only goal is to fight the Jews. Our rifles were never involved in internal political issues. Number one, okay, notice how he said Jews, not Israel, but Jews. And that's the goal, to hurt Jews. When it comes to Hamas, Fatah, PIJ, they might hate each other, but when it comes to targeting Jews, as I just said, they were on the same page. Remember, remember how the Oslo Accords were supposed to, uh, you know, they called for the training of the Palestinian Authority, Fatah, and we armed them, and they received U.S. training. They were supposed to be able to fight Hamas, or they were supposed to be willing, I should say, to fight Hamas. And what a joke that was. Their guns are aimed at the Jews. The Jews, not even the Israelis. They say the Jews. Just more proof, this isn't a land battle here, folks. This is a battle over civilizations, a battle of good versus evil, a battle of those who want peace and those who want to ethnically cleanse the Middle East of its Jewish population. That's what we're talking about here. This isn't about a two-state solution or the so-called settlements, the communities, the beautiful communities of Judea and Samaria. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's an ideological battle. It's not a land dispute. Don't let anyone try to convince you that this is just a land dispute. If only Israel makes more concessions, gives up more areas, turns over more areas to the PA, we'll have peace here. That's not what they want. They want, and this guy admitted it, that their goal is to target the Jews. That is what they're trying to do. Nevertheless, after all that being said, the Israeli security cabinet, political slash security cabinet, under the prime minister met yesterday. And it was decided, reported here by the Jerusalem Post, that Israel will act to prevent the collapse of the Palestinian Authority. The security cabinet voted on Sunday. They're also demanding that the PA stop terrorism and stop their pay-to-slay program and illegal construction, all the things which are ignored by the international community and ignored by some of our leaders as well. The prime minister's office did not provide details as how it would save the PA or stop it from inciting against Israel. No details of the plan. But 
gestures to the Palestinian Authority. That's the bottom line, and this is a mistake. Okay, these are terrorists in suits, the Palestinian Authority. And the argument is that if we don't bolster the PA, you, you, you will have a vacuum, right? So here we go again deciding. The Palestinian Authority, those are the good terrorists, and Hamas, they're the bad ones. But wait a minute, in Gaza, though, the policy is Hamas, they're the legitimate rulers, and they're the good ones, and it's the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the PIJ, they're the bad ones. And here you have this never-ending cycle, this rationalization, that the next terrorist group down the line, that they're really the bad ones, and will bolster the PA, and will line the trucks up to deliver aid to Hamas in Gaza. And I say no. I say get rid of them all and bring in leaders who care about their people and don't want to wipe Israel and the Jews off the map. Again, we could talk about Israel once again assuming control over all of Judea and Samaria, including the towns which are currently under the PA and their control. I don't see that happening in the near future. We can't even get our house in order to apply sovereignty over Area C, area, areas which are supposed to be, in theory, under his full Israeli control. We can't get that together. So I don't know how we would, we would, at this stage, go back in and assume control over areas A and B. But that's one option. And another option, again, is to get rid of these terrorists and try to find some leaders over there who truly want to live without daily inciting against Israel and trying to wipe Israel off the map. So Israel needs to figure it out, but in my opinion, bolstering the Palestinian, Palestinian Authority is just another way of saying that they are the, I guess, lesser of two or three evils even though they are just simply terrorists in suits. So I'm not, I'm not in favor of this cabinet decision at all, giving them a lifeline. So you're saying that you're, you're sending in IDF soldiers into Janine on behalf, basically on behalf of the PA? What kind of nonsense is that? I don't want to send any soldiers into Janine if it means just turning, turning control back over to the PA, doing them a favor. Let the PA go into Janine. If you want them to have control, let them send their mini-army into Janine. Don't send IDF soldiers into there. But then again, you can't trust the PA to do that. You can't trust them to fight the terrorists. And that's why bolstering them is, is an absolute mistake, in my opinion. Back to the Biden administration and their terrible policies when it comes to Israel. Uh, front page magazine reported that President Joe Biden's administration has allocated $223 million for UNRWA, the UN's Relief and Work Works Agency for so-called Palestine refugees. UNRWA, a body which has a history of promoting terrorism and Jew hatred among Arab children. The Biden State Department raised the annual funding for the agency by $16 million, despite repeated reports showing that the UNRWA-run schools are used to indoctrinate Palestinian, their word, youth in the ideology of jihad terrorism. So you have this organization, UNRWA, by the way, which um, in 2018, President Donald Trump ended all funding for UNRWA, but that was reversed by the Biden administration. Um, unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, another 
what is it, $223 million towards UNRWA. The Biden administration funding this corrupt Jew-hating organization, which has perpetuated the conflict for the past 75 years, not resettling a single refugee. That's supposed to be their mandate, right? Taking care of so-called refugees uh, and, of course, their descendants. Uh, instead, they are holding these Arabs and their descendants now, as well as pawns. They are pawns with the goal, putting them in the, on the front lines with the goal of eliminating Israel. That is who UNRWA is. That is what they do. That is their business. So stay classy, President Joe Biden, for supporting UNRWA and their corruption and their Jew hatred. Again, that's UNRWA's symbol, the key. The key so that, you know, the so-called right of return, which isn't a right at all. But that's their goal, not Judea and Samaria. Their goal is to go back to Haifa and Yaffa and Akko and all these other cities in Israel, so-called Israel proper, in pre-1967 Israel. That's what UNRWA is trying to do, destroy the entire state of Israel by flooding our country with the descendants of refugees, which is unprecedented, that anybody, anybody's children and grandchildren automatically become refugees. That doesn't happen. That's not how it works. But when it comes to uh, the Arabs who fled Israel in 1948, for them, somehow that works. And the Biden administration is paying the bill. Uh, here's some positive news. Times of Israel reported yesterday the National Security Minister Itabar Ben-Gvir has agreed with the police on a new policy towards civilians who shoot terrorists during attacks, whereby their weapons will not be confiscated and they will not be interrogated under caution, according to a report. The new guidelines are intended to encourage citizens to bear arms and use them when necessary, according to Channel 12, as part of Ben Gvir's larger efforts to ensure a greater number of armed Israelis on the streets are able to tackle terror attacks. The police did not confirm this, but usually, until now, someone, a civilian who shoots a terrorist, has their gun taken away as part of the investigation, ballistics tests, and all this stuff, and... And the police say that they'll get it back to you, okay? But they hold guns for a long period. Until now, they've been holding guns for a long period of time. People who shoot and kill terrorists are brought in for questioning and interrogation and all this other stuff. Almost as if the hero who killed a terrorist did something wrong and needs to be investigated, okay? So under the new policy... Um, if it is clear that the incident is a nationalistic terror attack and the shooter acted in self-defense and the, only the attacker was hit or killed, that civilian, who, by the way, had to stop firing the moment the danger had passed or all these conditions, that civilian, the firearm, will be examined at the scene by police and returned to the civilian, and the person will not be probed under caution. Again, so important. Okay, so important. And I understand there are things need to be investigated, but again, treating a hero as a criminal, leaving him, this is also very important, leaving this person, him or her, and his family in danger by taking away the gun of a hero, that policy was absurd. So this new policy makes complete sense. You investigate at the scene. Instead of taking away the gun from the hero, you say thank you, and you let him go about his business. Again, there's all this criteria, but it's a step in the right direction from preventing 
um, these heroes from protecting themselves. And again, those who perhaps are afraid to carry a gun, thinking if I use it, I'll get in trouble. You know, with that mentality, that um, that can potentially be the difference between life or death when you have a an active terrorist uh, attack being, you know, taking place. How many times have we seen in the past civilians coming in and saving lives, but those who don't want to carry guns because they're afraid they'll get in trouble perhaps will be less afraid and be more willing, as they should be. Those who are licensed should definitely, definitely, especially what we're going through now, should definitely have guns on them and be prepared to act if necessary. We now turn to our weekly anti-Semitism report, reported by the Jerusalem Post in a disturbing incident that occurred in the early hours of Shabbat morning. A Jewish Chabad man was assaulted and stabbed while walking in Crown Heights, this is in New York City. Fortunately, prompt medical assistance from Hatzalah helped stabilize the victim's condition. Apparently, this man was walking on Friday night, late Friday night, and two people, the two unidentified individuals, approached him and asked if he was Jewish. And uh, then the assailants, I mean, it's pretty obvious by his attire that he was Jewish, but the assailants wanted to make sure, I guess, asked if he was a Jew and then started to beat him and stab him with a screwdriver. Um, of course, this isn't being investigated as a hate crime. Uh, I'm pretty sure the gig is up on that. I mean, they asked him if he was Jewish. I'm pretty sure that code has been cracked, and this was an anti-Semitic Jew hatred um, attack. So let's see if they catch those responsible. Some more positive news here from Ynet, the New Hampshire, um, the governor of New Hampshire, Christopher Sununu signed on Thursday an executive order prohib- prohibiting the Granite State, that's what New Hampshire is called, from investing or contracting with companies and commercial entities that are involved in boycotts, BDS of Israel. So this is the 37th state in the U.S. to pass anti-BDS legislation. Um uh, so thank you. Thank you to New Hampshire. Let's see the where are the other 13 states? How long will it take them to get on board? Of course, ironically, the BDS, right? The BDS movement, they harm Arabs first, right? When a factory closes in Judea and Samaria because of BDS, who are the first ones to lose their jobs? Uh, the Arabs. And when a factory moves to other parts of the country and those Arabs from the Palestinian Authority can't get there, you put them out of business. But put them out of a job, but the BDS doesn't care. The BDS is not about helping Arabs. It's about trying to hurt Jews. They don't care about Arabs. They simply hate Jews. That is what BDS does. So thank you to New Hampshire. And let's get the other 13 states on board to pass more anti-BDS legislation there in the U.S. uh, Finishing on, again, um, some positive news. Uh, Israel's soccer dream uh, soccer Dream Summer, here reported by the Jerusalem Post, came to an end. The under-21 sc- uh, squad lost 3-0 to England in the semifinals of the European Championships in Georgia, Georgia, the country, not Atlanta, Georgia, the country of Georgia. Israel lost in the semifinals 3-0, but it was an unbelievable run. Israel exceeded all expectations. 
and getting to the semifinals, losing to England, who actually won the tournament. So they lost to the champs. They beat uh, Czech Republic. They beat the host country, Georgia. And they drew against the powerful German side. And what does this mean for Israel? The team punched their ticket to the 2024 a Summer Olympics in Paris. So congratulations to the Israeli under-21 squad. They will be playing in the Summer Olympics next year. This is an unbelievable achievement in sports for Israel. What I know, this is the best they've ever done in this tournament. And just earlier, oh, it's the first time since 1976, by the way, that uh, Israel will have a soccer tournament in the Olympics. Uh, and just earlier in the summer, Israel finished third. The under, I think it was the under 20 or under 19 squad. If I'm not mistaken, they finished third in the World Cup. So finishing third in the World Cup there making it to the semifinals and the European Championships. So the future does look bright for soccer, or as some people call it, football, here in the Jewish state. And that's going to do it for today. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. That is where you can find me. Shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. Couldn't do it without Ben Bresky. Uh, most importantly, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Wishing you all a great week from Gush Etzion, Judea, Israel, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everyone. Shalom, shalom. You're listening to the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com, broadcasting the truth and beauty of Israel to the world. 